five, four, three, two, fun. Welcome to another episode of the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, your premier source for everything you need to know about the Vancouver Titans. I am Chris at Lightforce, the sweet and sultry voice that you hear each and every week coming to you on a very, well, I guess this is a special night. We're recording on a Monday. Uh, all things being considered, it's because we have hype and the fact that, you know, Omni went to off to Harrison Hot Springs, Sam's recording, you know, at uh, some family's house. It's just crazy. But again, it's all about hype. But we have Omni at Omni Strife. We have Sam, another Sam Chan on the phone, the line, the interwebs. I don't know what we call this, but how are you doing, gentlemen? This is now a championship podcast. We're the only championship podcast for this season. This is true. This is true. I, sh- I, I, you know, should we have said spoiler alert? Like, is it possible that there are listeners right now that don't know the Vancouver Titans one stage one in thrilling fashion? We're going to get into that. But, uh, you know, I was watching at the sports bar. Uh, Omni, I saw you were watching on the balcony. Sam, I think you actually watched this match, which is, I think, a first. We'll see about that, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I'm uh, actually a bot anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Oh, like Bumper. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Me and Bumper were the same. But uh, we, uh, again, we're sitting on the edge of our seats while we're watching it. Uh, as far as what we're going to cover in this episode, it's going to be Titans, Titans, Titans. That's right. This is a Titans podcast, so why would we not go in depth to talk about that championship match? No, we'd be remiss not to talk about the rest of the playoff picture. We'll revisit the Titans win over the Uprising, Titans win over the Soul Dynasty. Again, thanks, Soul, for breaking our bracket. Uh, we got a few other things to cover. Uh, we'll get into some analysis of the championship matches we had mentioned. Uh, in the fray, we'll talk about what happened with Soul and NYXL. Uh, dive into stage two, and I don't know. I'm just going to randomly pull some stuff off the internet. We're going to talk. Wait, 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 Chris, Chris, Chris. Did you know that Runaway Now is not OWL level? As fanboy triggering as that sounds, People love them for their underdog streak and their vibrant brand and personality, but expecting them to get picked up is very unrealistic. They still have to actually win something first. At the same time, I'd honestly advise Flarvin to sell Bumper, Stitch, and Hacksaw and then rebuild. Those buyouts money can help Runaway for a few more seasons. Moving the payload! Join me! So getting into the payload, the Titans won... 3-0 3-0 over the Boston Uprising. Uh, the three of us, we saw this as being the thing. Uh, and I should actually um, take a mea culpa here. The Overwatch League playoff rules were somewhat confusing. I got it wrong in the last podcast. It wasn't like a best of seven. They had like, it's a seven-match playoff just to talk about how there were seven matches in the playoffs, which seemed kind of odd. But that said, it was first to three in the quarterfinal, uh, best or first to four for semifinal and final. But back to the uprising in Titans. Um, 
you know, going into this, there were a lot of people on social. Uh, maybe they were Uprising fans. Maybe they just don't like the Titans, being that the Titans are Thanos. They're the villain. And they <laughs> felt that Fusions was going to have his way with Bumper. Suffice to say that didn't happen? Yeah, I was actually... Uh, I was actually super disappointed with this match, uh, especially since and a, and a precursor is we had just finished watching that New York Soul match, and so everybody was a little bit pumped, and you know, you know, the blood was flowing, and we were getting pumped for this game, and and I'm not complaining because it was a complete Titan stomp, but I really expected more from Fusions and the entire Uprising team, honestly. Like, and this this isn't trying to be BM, but like that was one of the worst teams they faced all stage. Serious. Yeah. Yeah. It was odd the way they. Uh, well, hindsight is twenty twenty, obviously, but I'm sure that if you would ask Fusion again, who he'd prefer to see in the playoffs, he wouldn't uh, <laughs> say in YXL again. Them going rigid goats against the Titans didn't, didn't end well. It felt like Titans were uh, putting their serious pants on for the playoffs, and it didn't end. Uh, it wasn't easy match. Really, uh, there's no other way to go around it. Yeah, and I think that really kind of changed my view of, of Fusions. I mean, like, it's one match. I get it. Maybe maybe he had a bad day. Maybe Boston had a bad day. So, so I'm not, like, completely dismissing him. But I really thought Fusions was kind of up there with, with the bumper tiers with with even Fisher and, you know, some of the other guys that we'll, we'll end up talking mm-hmm. about later. Um, but it just de- seemed like like a step below. Yeah, him and Aim God were probably the, the cornerstones of that franchise. You know, it could be the Jitters, the first time uh, appearing on, on the big stage for uh, not saying that, you know, Titans are an expansion team, but they had more of an experience with uh, like important matches. So maybe that played uh, a role in there. Well, I mean, looking at that match, uh, we started off on Ilios. Titans were dominant. Uh, the loser got to pick the next map and so boston decided yeah you know what? we're gonna we're gonna pick uh king's row um they lost that pretty uh, handily and then uh losing that one they thought you know what we're gonna go with anubis and um that uh, oh, that didn't turn out too well either like it, it it seemed to me that the uprising were trying to pick maps that i guess they had seen the titans maybe struggle with to some respect but arguably, you know, their losses on Anubis were against a, a team that they were having difficulty with, not the map per se. It was, you know, the crazy comp. And then on King's Row, they were held by the shock. And we're going to talk a little about King's Row and the shock later on, but the Titans still found a way to get out a win. So beyond the play of the uprising themselves, I kind of thought that their, their map selection worked against them but you know who knows they could have picked any map and based on the play we saw titans were gonna three owl mm-hmm. yeah and and I, I think like it was fusions that was on oversight with monty and uh, uh sorry it escapes me who the other dude was and it sounded like they had some like cool strats that they were like couldn't wait to play vancouver and like we didn't see any of those strats it was straight goats yeah well, moving on to the semifinal, we had the Titans facing the Soul Dynasty. Now, this is completely nuts because everyone to a person picked this to be the Titans versus the San Francisco Shock match, us included. In fact, there were people that were suggesting that the Titans were going to be upset by the uprising, which did not happen. So here we have the Vancouver Titans versus the upstart Soul Dynasty, who took the NYXL to task. We'll talk about that more in the fray. 
And again, the Titans handedly defeat the Soul Dynasty 4-0. Maps started on Busan. The Titans just rolled the dynasty, never in question. We then went to Hollywood North, and this one, a little bit tighter, but again, the Titans were able to get themselves uh, out a win. We then saw it go to Anubis again. Titans got out a win in OT, and then we go to Rialto, and the Titans, again, got out a win uh, in uh, in OT, winning 4-0, getting themselves to the uh, final. Now, looking back at Soul's approach to the Titans, would it be fair to say that we had sort of expected the uprising to have taken that similar approach? Or was it that the Soul Dynasty had planned for NYXL, had success, and then decided, oh, it'll work against the Titans too? It looks like it, uh, because also there was an interview, I believe it was Fisher, who said that they were surprised that it worked out well against NYXL, and they were already content with what they what they got from this playoffs. And it looked like they just rolled out the same strat that they used on NYXL, and they went first with their B team, and then Hollywood, which was a bit harder, that's when they came out with Fisher. Uh, but again, to no avail. Uh, it was definitely better than the, than the um, Uprising match, but like you said... It never was in doubt that the Titans are going to take the victory here. They would like you to know that it is not their B team, but indeed their control team. Oh, for sure. I, I, <laughs> could the B team really beat the uh, insanely you know, skilled and, and strategic NYXL? Mm, probably not. <laughs> I, I, I guess we'd be remiss to say if this wasn't, uh, if we didn't mention that this was a rematch of the Apex Season 2 finals, which was, I know that was really the first time that I experienced pro uh, Overwatch play and I was super hyped. Um, I, I, th- I think it was also like Harsha that was mentioning that, that you know, this it was crazy mm-hmm. that he's here and he's a, he's an analyst and he's a coach when, you know, when it was Apex Season 2, he was just watching as, as a fan, just like you and I and and everybody else um so so that that was one of the things that was kind of nuts about it but i think the the emotional not baggage but the emotionalness of this match i think is is a little bit a ways i think both teams have gone through a lot since then so it didn't have the same kind of bite that that the Seoul new york match definitely had and and it kind of showed like 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 i wouldn't say that that Seoul played poorly just that Vancouver played much better. Yeah. The the thing that uh, occurred to me, you know, throughout really the weekend was that the the Vancouver Titans aggressive approach, especially to goats specifically as a meta, was difficult for for other teams to handle. And I mean, we we saw this leading up to the the weekend. I know Ani, you had. Uh, tweeted out uh, something along the lines that it was perfectly acceptable to hold the opinion that NYXL being the uh, patient GOATS team did not make them superior to the Vancouver Titans who were the aggressive GOATS team. It was very fair to feel that both could be successful in their own right. Well, I think what we saw, and this is showcased more specifically against Seoul, who had a game plan, is that the aggressive GOATS approach that the Titans were to sort of force onto their opposition was something that they had difficulty with. I kind of wonder if the Vancouver Titans had taken a more passive approach, one that was a little more reserved, a little more defensive. If in turn, the, uh, the dynasty would have had the same success that they had over NYXL. Like I actually think the fact that the Titans were so aggressive is what caused soul 
not to be able to to ultimately adapt to what you know bumper was bringing them it looked like they were kind of countering a, a hypothetical strat that soul might bring in uh maybe i don't know maybe it perhaps was the strategy that they were looking to use on nyxl to some extent yeah you're pretty you're pretty correct at that people were always obviously complaining about the goats meta and how stale it is but it looked like um even during stage one the goats meta was constantly evolving we saw a bunch of different iterations uh with the rosters whether you run that sombra or some played moira but it was also like a game of styles and Vancouver definitely had a very uh, unorthodox approach, probably causing them to kind of, uh, you know, the pundits were kind of like, oh, you can easily counter that a bumper is feeding and the like. But it definitely during the playoffs, well, we'll talk about, you know, we're, we're going to get to the big the big game soon. But it looked like the culmination of the stage was actually realizing that this aggressive approach when played smartly, when not you know, you go crazy. <laughs> it can actually counter any type of uh, approach you go against it, you put against it. Yeah, and you could tell that the Titans had practiced the the Sombra, the Sombra goats quite a bit, or practiced going against the Sombra goats because because Janu and Hoxel kind of kind of you know calmed Michelle down. Uh, I mm-hmm. think it had got, gone very differently. As as we saw in, in in the NYXL match where Michelle just dominated. Yeah, one of the best Sombras in the league for sure. Yeah, and 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 to some degree, Michelle was was getting some easy hacks early, but then but then that was kind of the, their whole thing. It's like we're just gonna wait around until Michelle gets uh, gets his alt, um, and then go from there. And and like that didn't work out at all. I think Hollywood was the one where where they tried that really hard, and it, you could see like they were waiting for the whole team. Like the whole team wasn't attacking; it was just Michelle kind of trying to peel and get his alt to to do their attack. And that the like, waiting on Vancouver has never worked. It, it, yeah, it's a great point. I remember when they were on the high ground on defense, you could see that Haxal and John always like at every two seconds, like, like clockwork, they're looking back, looking forward, looking back, looking forward, looking back, kind of always trying to find that pesky summer. And they did. And they did. Definitely. A little bit schizo. Her, <laughs> her strength. The, the thing about uh, Michelle on, on Sombra, and this is actually something that uh, was asked of Super at the uh, after the uh, the championship match. And and Super described the use of Sombra and goats as sloppy goats because they were asked, you know, why why didn't they try something similar? Is it fair to say that even with an effective Sombra, you're now putting yourself into a, a, a meta that requires a 5v6 fight in the hope that your, your Sombra not only gets the appropriate hack – but is also able to use the alt to to cause constant team wipes. And you looked at how Vancouver started to adapt. They very rarely stayed together, or if they were to do so, they always ensured that there was uh, two support and sort of opposing areas or out of line of sight, so that there was that chance that if Michelle were to were to pop his alt, that they had a, a backup plan. Again, I, I I'm not a, a, a not that I'm not a fan of Sombra. I personally struggle playing Sombra as a character, so I don't quite in- understand. Well, you're a ride main, right? Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Sombra takes me. Nuts. What do you mean you took away my shield, my fire strike, my charge? Yeah, I, yeah, I, totally I don't tell agree that. in the way that, yeah, I don't agree in the way that Super called it sloppy goats. I think that 
it, it's actually kind of a smart strat on running Sombra and Goats, but it's sloppy against the other team because really, it really forces teams to do is because we've, we've talked about this at length, right? Goats is all about cohesion, about communication, about, about staying under composure, right? And as long as everybody does their part, it works like clockwork. Sombra mm-hmm. disrupts that, right? So the fact that, you know, when, when um, Omni was just mentioning that, that, you know, every two seconds, Haxel has to go turn around, that's disruptive. And in, you know, most normal people that aren't pro gamers, they're going to tilt, right? Like, you turn around enough times, you're going to get dizzy. It's not fun, right? And, and you lose your concentration at GOATS, but that just, like... I think I think like I said, the Titans practiced a lot on Sombra, and and earlier on in the season, I can't remember which teams. Um, oh, I think it was Ding on Shanghai in the first game. Like they had some early success with Sombra on on the Vancouver Goats, and it's clear that they've gotten better since the first game. Inadvertently, it's also kind of created a bastard child of the original Mercy, where she would hide, and they just put like Moth away, or or in turn hack, uh, like Twilight, he, depending on who had his uh, ult, and they just hid away. There was a point where uh, I think it was um, um, Slime who hid in the jail <laughs> portion of the, yeah. and once that Sombra hack came out, it just went out and you know went uh, with his ult. It was, it was kind of funny to me. I, I get where he's coming from, but you do what you can to win, right? And if you can see that maybe that's your chance to win, why not use it? So I get it why it's not maybe not as as, as classic goats or sloppy. I don't know, but you, you just do what you got to do to win. That's maybe, And maybe the Shock just don't have a god tier Sombra. I don't know. Might be. Uh, who would play uh, Sombra? Is that Rascal? Rascal, I think. But then you have to like get him off the brig. I guess they're... Yep. Uh, Cannot really flex that well. Okay. Fair point. Now, before we move on, one other, I don't know what we would call it, neat thing that we saw uh, when the Titans were on Anubis, where all they needed to do was cap point A to win in overtime. And they decided to run a quad DPS strat. I think it was quad DPS. Yeah. Uh, Might have been. (laughs) Quint, but they ran quad DPS. Now, who? Well, actually, not only that, they went double sniper. So who do you think goes <laughs> sniper for the Titans? You only get one guess. Mm. <laughs> Hooreg. <laughs> Hashtag force of Hooreg, yeah. Yeah. When Bumper came out as Hanzo, it was an early pick. So people are like, oh, you know, they're just messing around. No, Bumper actually came out as Hanzo and immediately tries to climb up the archway not to get to the top. That brought a smile to my face because that's how I play Hanzo. <laughs> you kind of forgot. Yeah, you, it's really difficult to climb from this side. You can't easily climb from the other, but I guess he kind of forgot. Yeah, but uh, he came out as Hanzo. Again, the Titans had a ton in the bank. All they needed was the, that one cap to, to win the yeah. map. And so he comes out as Hanzo, which was like, for lack of a better use of words, the ultimate disrespect. And I don't mean that in a negative sense, but how else is it interpreted? I think the Titans came out and said, you know, we own this. We can do whatever we want, and there's nothing you can stop us. I mean, we actually saw him, uh, to go back to Uprising briefly on King's Row, you know, charge and then emote with a flex. <laughs> like got a lot of, that's why he's the star no kidding like i you know bumper is the perceived villain in <laughs> overwatch league right now and the vancouver titans are just a team of villains and 
if you've been following the team on Twitter, they're kind of embracing it. Like the graphic that we saw of the Titans or the Sasquatch going into the championship match was something else, right? So I, I, I'm, I, I'm old school. For me, I get a chuckle. I appreciate it. I think it, it adds some spice. But I'm also of the mindset that you just go and get the job done, you do it, and that's that. There's a reason why after every game I play in Overwatch, I type in, well played, everyone. It's just my ammo. Anywho, uh, we saw a bumper on Hanzo. I don't know I, what else I, to say. I, I think, and, and we're going to come back to this topic later because I'm not even close to being done, but I think that there is some context of how the Titans play, I think, outside looking, and especially if you're not a fan of the Titans or, or you know, you're, you're a fan of another team, um, they can come off as cocky for sure, and I, I completely understand that. But I think the context you have to put it in is when when he throws out a Hanzo, when Bumper throws out a Hanzo, or Bumper's doing their emote flex, and all the stuff that Bumper does, you you can pan the camera to him, and he's got this big, jolly smile. <laughs> he, he, he knows, right? He's, he's, done it, he's doing it in a playful way. He's not here to kind of rub your face in the dirt. Um, if it can come off that way for sure. And I think he'll piss a lot of people off like that. But, but the context that I put it in is he, he's just a kid that's having a ton of fun, right? Like you see him clap his hands ecstatically after every single win. Like he's never played games before. And, and that's like, that's why I've actually grown to like bumper more and more because, because what was the copy pasta at the beginning? It was a vibrant personality team, right? Like we don't want gamers that are just staring into the space all the time. No offense to space. Um, yeah. And, and, and like that, that's why we enjoy it. Right. And there's nothing wrong with watching kids that love what they're doing. And, and it, like honestly speaking, if if you're pl- out there playing soccer with your ten year old kid, and I know none of us have ten year old kids, but like if they flex and like they, after they finally score that first goal on you, and it's your kid, and he's like, "I'm the best player in the world," like what are you gonna do? Like call him cocky? Like no, he's a kid having fun. Yeah, you could also totally see this. That's something that they do because they enjoy the game. They enjoy playing with each other. They're they're very happy to be in as a team. There was a portion there. I don't remember when they showed it, but they showed some of their comms. And it was a pleasure to see yeah. they they have their own channel like Titans fighting before they go out. It's like a pleasure to watch. They're really it's cute. Yeah, <laughs> they're really the having that fun. Hoxel's possessed. Hoxel's possessed, and uh, slime right. is uh, leaking. Sli- leaking. Yeah. <laughs> oh God! When I heard, oh my God, slime <laughs> is leaking. That was awesome. No, I, I. You know what, Sam? You're right. They are kids. They're having fun. Um, and you know, there was a, a thing, uh, and I can't remember who it was that t- tweeted. I'll, I'll dig into Twitter and see if I can retweet it through RSP, but, uh, shared four pictures of bumper and it's like, here's, here's what bumper goes through in a, a press conference. Bumper thinks of something. He thinks it's funny. He then shares the joke and then he laughs at his own joke. And it's like <laughs> the four faces of bumper. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's kind of like this dorky kid that you're like, well, he's really good at what he does and he's a pleasure to be around. <laughs> The uh, the other component of of whether it is him going Hanzo, whether it's him flexing, and he he is the personality, uh, you know, on the Titans. I mean, he he goes all in, and he doesn't know you know any other way. And it's interesting to see even now where he has shown that he can handle his own against you know some of the best main tanks in the Overwatch League, especially in the current meta. That people still think, oh, he's nothing. He's nothing without the team around him. 
Yet we yeah. talked about this on previous episodes. I think the team around him benefits from Bumper. In fact, we talked about in the last episode about Bumper is the component of the trap that snaps the other team. And we saw that in, uh, again, the championship match, which we'll get to in a short moment. The shock game, their game plan, let's focus on Bumper. And then once the Titans adapted to that, the shock actually struggled. Anyhow, anything else yeah. we want to talk about the 4-0 win over the Soul Dynasty before we move on? I think there's uh, two things for me. One is, uh, I think I tweeted this out, but it was really hilarious that Munchkin didn't have a name jersey. So <laughs> so he played the last three matches with just like a blank jersey that you can buy off Fanatics. Um, someone messed up there. Um, the Twilight's other thing got is, a name jersey now. Twilight, yeah, Twilight's got one. I I, I think Hureg has one. I'm, to be confirmed, we'll find out. We'll ask our sources. Hashtag he can wear Hureg. his London one for sure. Yeah, he he he's been just been collecting jerseys, man. Um, and the other thing is, I think we can't uh, talk finish talking about this game without mentioning Hoxall at all. Um, I I think he was the star of this match, and he was the star of the playoffs and. And it's weird because he's still in brig jail, but like he opened my eyes and, and I quickly hopped on quick play and died a lot using brig. And I found out it wasn't as easy as I thought. Mm. Well, you know, and you hear that often. Oh, anyone can pr- play brig. You know what? I don't think anyone can play brig, but those who can and can do it as effectively as Hoxell can, like that's, they are the reason why Brig is as OP as she is. I get that, you know, in in the casual side, a good Brig player is, is make or break, uh, you know, whether it's in QP or, or, or competitive. But yeah, Haxel was like next level. Oh, and we would be remiss if we didn't mention that we saw Haxel bring out a Doomfist uh, and put in some work, right? Uh, Farah, uh, although that was on the in garbage time-ish when, uh, you know, Hanzo was also out there as a, as a or Hanzo bumper was out as a Hanzo. Um, I I did actually want to share a tweet from uh, Taylor, who you will uh, hear join us in a future episode. But uh, at Faith Steel Taylor on Twitter uh, shared a tweet behind the scenes. Someone so yeah, bumper. Some guys on Twitter said we can only play goats. Bumper, you what, mate? That's it. I'm going Hanzo. So and so, how many hours do you have on Hanzo? Bumper, seven minutes in Mystery Heroes. <laughs> Anyhow. He looked like he has seven minutes in Mr. Heroes. <laughs> Why do my boy like that? Come on. He actually hit some storm arrows there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's like rewarding a Hanzo who got a kill with a shatter arrow at someone's feet. <laughs> that climb is not anymore. That was embarrassing how he couldn't climb on top of that high ground. <laughs> so Thursday night, 3-0 win over the uprising. Saturday, 4-0 win over the Soul Dynasty. In fact, one where Bumper says we're going to go and roll over all competition. So that brings us to the championship match versus the San Francisco Shock. The one team that we as a podcast had some worry about. In fact, I would suggest we were more worried about the matchup against the Shock than we were about a potential matchup against NYXL. Definitely go back, check it out. It's true. It is. It is true. Because I think, I think, in, in, in my point of view, anyway, I think we were going to enjoy that New York, uh, Vancouver match, no matter what. But if we, if we had somehow got upset by the shot going up to it, I would have been pissed. Man, this would be a different podcast. <laughs> 
So before we jump into full analysis of that championship match, the Titans won 4-3 over the San Francisco Shock in a match that stretched over three hours. It was nuts. Now, the breakdown. The San Francisco Shock won 2-1 on Nepal. On Numbani, the Vancouver Titans won 1-0. Anubis, San Francisco won 4-3. Dorado, Vancouver wins 2-1. Ilios, San Francisco wins 2-1. Kings Row, Vancouver wins 3-2. And the seventh map, Rialto, Vancouver wins 4-3. As you can see, a very even back-and-forth fight. Now... Gentlemen, let's pick this one apart. We had the matchup of Bumper versus Super. And Super, who was actually on uh, uh, Watchpoint, uh, was asked uh, in a, uh, I can't remember what the segment's called, where they ask rapid questions, like rapid fire or whatever it was. Uh, And he didn't seem to want to say that Bumper was a solid tank. You had the matchup of Summon Sue versus Sinatra. And obviously the two teams matched up well against each other. And when we think back to their earlier matchup, the result of 3-1 for the Titans over the Shock wasn't indicative of actually how that match went. So Nepal, San Francisco wins 2-1 on what is arguably uh, a strong Titans map. What what did San Francisco do so well that the Titans had difficulty dealing with? I don't know. It's it's also a good map for Shock. They were undefeated on this map too going in. Uh, when it started, it was funny because the first match they played, like, Hacksaw draw first blood and we won 100-0. And if you could see Twitch chat, it was, oh no, here comes the 4-0 Resonance Sleeper. <laughs> Chow was all into that. But then when Sanctum came up, Violet and Sinatra kind of came alive and they carried their team to their own 100 and 0. And then it was then it was looking like a game. I was quite worried there. And it looked like they were uh, able to kind of not repeat the mistake that um, Seoul and Boston did. They were trying to match Vancouver's style a bit with their own kind of uh, twists and uh, modifications to it. Choi Hyobin... And Super came alive and uh, enshrined and out aggroed the Titans. It was it was a rough battle. I was it was not a good start for the Titans. Not just like talking about the fact that we lost, but I didn't really like the way we lost. And yeah. if you guys can add anything to that, like <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think the key here is is pace, and this isn't just the first map, but you know the next six maps as well. Is I think the shock did a very good job of controlling the pace and, and bringing, bringing the pace, bringing the pace to what they wanted, as opposed to the Titans controlling what was going on, um, which is what we're so often used to seeing. Um, so, so, you know, kudos to them for that. Yeah. We will return to this point at the end, once we review all the matches, but we have more like the shock play better on control maps than we are. Have a certain type of uh, style of play where Sinatra just goes insane, and they synergize pretty well on these types of maps. And I mean, we look at Nepal. Yes, the Titans, you know, a hundred oh shock, uh, and then return the favor with the shock getting a hundred no, uh, and then the last was a hundred to fifty one. I think the big difference, and this will be a recurring theme, is when the shock took the fight to Vancouver. Vancouver wasn't accustomed to that. I mean, we, we've been hearing about this for the entire stage. Vancouver is recklessly aggressive. 
Hmm. And yet that reckless aggression is what's done them so well. You know, that was what people were saying was going to cost them against the patient NYXL. So when the shock come in and say, we can be recklessly aggressive the same, that really caused the Titans fits. And then you started to also see how the shock would go and and take Bumper down. Um, they would focus on Bumper. They would ensure they could drop his shield. Uh, they would try to, to cut him off from his support, which was also quite a bit different. Because I think if we were going back throughout the stage, most teams, when they were playing the Titans, they would focus support early. They tried to drop Slime or, or Twilight um, specifically uh, and, and Hoxall to some respect. But the shock instead, they're like, we're going to drop Bumper. And even though, you know, the Titans seem to be able to weather Bumper going down early, they really had a problem. Um, I also have a belief that Bumper isn't a good, as good of a Winston um, as he is a Ryan. And so when we started to see him switch to, to the Winston uh, play, well, Super outplayed him. Like in, in main tank versus main tank, Winston to Winston, Super had him hands down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think I think well, what's bump? Where our biggest complaint about bumper is we we joke that he feeds all the time, and and you know comparing Ryan to Winston just alone, like Winston's just much more squishy, um, and that's that's just probably also you know, a result of Winston being played more and and uh, control maps. But yeah, I think um, the coaches of the Shock were actually the first to uh, listen to our podcast, and we were talking about this very early in the stage. <laughs> got to play uh, proactive and not reactive against the Titans, regardless of how you may think that this is the right way to go. And that's why they uh, gave us such a, such a trouble. So San Francisco gets the first win, but I, I actually did not feel all that worried. It was like, oh, okay, you know what? This isn't the Titans strength. What we're going to see next with hybrid, however, we've seen the Titans have some success. And so we then get into Numbani and, do we call this Numbani North? <laughs> yeah, it was very, very uh, impressive hold there. Like the, in the early going, it, it was, you know, the the it rotation. Was different, it was different bumper. He was very defensive there, very smart. Yeah, yeah it was uh, interesting to see. Yeah, and, and you didn't have any sneaky, sneaky shatters. Well, <laughs> which, which we frankly started to see him do earlier in the weekend. Um, but more specifically with the, the play of bumper and, and the Titans is they were, they were patient. And even though the shock had a really effective rotation on, on their attack phase, the Titans bent, 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 but would not break. And Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. And I I was just going to say that the shock, just couldn't figure that out. Like, again, I think the, the shock were trying to be aggressive, but they, for one reason or another, had difficulty getting the, the Titans to engage them, you know, at their game. Uh, the Titans seemed to adapt map over map. And then when we got into the attack phase, the Titans really effectively, you know, took it to the shock and, and it was a done deal. It was done quick. It's a theme. Uh, when I reviewed the games again, I, this is the map where I saw Haxel really going nuts, especially on defense. Every big play, every time it looks like it looked like we're about to uh, break <laughs> instead of bend, he kind of came through with a shield bash here, a kill there. 
there. This is where he kind of like took the, the Titans on his back and he said, okay, we, we're going to win this uh, map. And yeah, once we full hold, fully hold, I, I didn't have a doubt that this is, uh, we're going to take this map back. It should be worth noting that Janu, zero deaths on Numbani North. Mm. Least deaths, I yeah. think, uh, for a diva in the, st- the entire stage. Now, I was also surprised that the the Titans chose Numbani because, again, they had the choice of of hybrid maps. And considering, you know, how well the the Titans have played Hollywood North, could this have been a pick to throw the Shock off? Like, would the Shock have presumed the Titans look to pick Hollywood and then see Numbani and, oh, that's, that's new. That's a good point. I, I definitely agree there. Well, I think I think Seoul finished Hollywood just the day before, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe they wanted a different look. Yeah, they had fresh footage from uh, yeah. probably what caused them to go Numbani. Well, having got that win, the San Francisco Shock had to pick the next map. They chose Anubis. Now, uh, if we look at how Anubis was played, I think the Titans had a very effective point one defense. Like they were able to, again, bend and not break. And yet once San Francisco was able to cap point A, they snowballed the heck out of point B in their attack phase. Like the, the Titans had alt economy. The, the yeah. shock were out of time. And yet for whatever reason, they were able to get to point B so quick that it seemed to catch the Titans by surprise. Now, was that because the Titans didn't expect the shock to bring the fight so quickly? Or is this simply a result of the meta that we saw where the uh, fact that the, the shock could move so quickly with the uh, Lucio uh, um, amp it up and, and in turn, it didn't allow the Titans an opportunity to set up for defense. I think the this moment for the shock from the from their point one to point or point A to point B cap that was their best moment in my opinion all all stage and maybe all the playoffs I didn't watch every shock match um, but I think one of the key things was I, I I can't remember exactly the moment because you know honestly we've watched a lot of matches but I believe the Titans were split spawned a little bit I think Hacksaw was either had just died and was already like already revived or he hadn't died and he was like walking back or something but there was only like like they were staggered coming out. Yeah, there was a. It looked like a bad map for Shaka for sure. But then Choi Hobin, he got to and then with his bomb and killed Janu before he got back to his mech. So there was like a big snowball looming, and as you know, and uh, I was kind of scared to see something that the. It looked like a mirror of of oh, that's how teams feel when they play the Titans. That's what made it so scary for me as, as a Titans fan observing this uh, attack. So they were pretty effective there. Yeah. Well, the Titans go on attack and they just have their way with the shock. Like not only do they take point a quick, anyways, so at one team fight Titans win. Okay. We've capped the point. Then they move on to point B and I think it was what two team fights and they take point B. They mm-hmm. have a pretty sizable, uh, time bank. Now, granted, San Francisco, having taken point B very quick themselves, had one of their own. So then we go into overtime. The Titans, uh, they unfortunately are, are unable 
to get that that second point cap, um, but they get a sizable amount. They then look to defend the shock, and yet, for all intents and purposes, have Anubis won. Right up until we see, and this was where I, I, I'll be honest, I've watched the replay time and time again. Super uses an earth shatter, knocks down bumper, and I can't remember who else was in the, the grav. Uh, you've got um, Choyobin throwing in the diva alt. And what confuses me the most is Twilight had popped trance, and Twilight had gone into the grav about the same time the diva alt was thrown. And yet that alt still gets, what is it, a triple kill? Yeah. I think it was a body block. You think it was a body? Because like I, I was trying to see, like, did Super throw up the shield? Like, I could not, it I was could not a, see where line of sight was broken. It was actually a three alt thing. There was a shatter, there was a grav, and there was a bomb going uh, there at the end. But yeah, that that was the map where I, I didn't really like how Bumper played. There was even, yeah, sorry that I have to go back, but I just wanted to point it out. There was a point there when they were still defending point A. Bumper was just standing on the side and three people next to him, his teammates, just super had a clear path to them. So he shattered them and, and he just didn't, didn't look like himself. Uh, even more than usual, he was playing a bit uh, badly. Having some Hanzo dreams. <laughs> Probably. is like, how couldn't I climb on that? Uh, <laughs> We'd be remiss. Double or nothing? I think that's the shatter that, that got them at the end there. Not the grab, but the shatter that dropped the shields and then they were done. Uh, oh, yeah, no. I, like, the shatter definitely is what... Like, the grab brought them together. The shatter is what knocked them down. Like, I, I think it was a great shatter by Super. And I believe he just got that shatter, like, moments before he used yeah. it the the thing that again watching this replay and i don't quite clearly see and sam you may be on 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 something maybe it was a body block is that the titans played that i think as well as they could maybe it would have been better not to have bumper be so aggressive at that stage where he he essentially was trying to to take out super and that grav and then obviously their shatter took advantage of them but Twilight was in the little back room there. And yeah. when that occurred, he pops his trance, comes on out. Like it, that's that's the part that uh, that ultimately cost the Titans that map because that triple kill, unfortunately, then turned it into scramble mode. And I think we saw like uh, Bumper come out as Tracer for like a second at one point. Mm-hmm. We saw Doomfist. We saw uh, Wrecking, Wrecking Ball. Ball, you know. Yeah. Like it was yeah. pandemonium. I, yeah, I think I think we got to give the credit to the shock for that one play. Um, I, th- I think they placed the the bomb and the shatter in two different directions. So so bumper had to choose: am I going to block the shatter? Or am I going to block the bomb? Um, yeah, I, I, I think I want to say, and, and we don't have this in front of us, right? We can't watch and, and cast at the same time. We're not casters. Um, but I want to say that I think Bumper tried to to block the bomb, but then the shatter got him. So then everybody ended up dying anyway. Yeah, something like that. And you know, yeah, all the credit to the shock. I mean, that was a well executed uh, alt combo, and it it won them won the map. Mm-hmm. So Titans lose. They picked Dorado again. I I think this was a an interesting choice on their part. They've had some success on Dorado, but again, some of it has been in garbage time. Now. 
what I found really interesting is that the Titans were handling defense very, very effectively. Like they were stretching the shock to their limit. And in fact, the shock had to go into OT just to take the first point. And then from there, while they were able to get the payload to approximately the arch, maybe just past it, at no point was I too worried about the Titans being able to to defend. We then saw the Titans go on to the attack phase, and it was quite clear from the early going. They won the first team fight, and they had pretty much made it to the first point without having to engage in another. And with the time that they had allotted, they got the win. But the cheekiest, cheekiest moment was Hoxel coming out and stunning Choyobin coming in as a wrecking ball to, to stop it from going to OT. Like, it, if there was a, a flex moment, in at least Hoxwell's world, that was it. Yeah, a stat came up also during that game that said that he had 10 more shield bash kills than Rascal. He was really playing well. And it felt to me that kind of like Titans didn't really feel comfortable uh, playing control maps. That's kind of how San Francisco played uh, payload maps. Uh, It felt like Whenever they were on attack, it felt like the uh, payload had to go uphill. And when Titans are attacking payload maps, it looks like it's downhill. Yeah, everything kind of slowed down, definitely, for the shock. And also, Violet wasted a bunch of ults there. I don't know why that happened, but, you know. Is what it is. The yeah. the other thing that, you know, I... I found and I can't uh, based on a tweet I mean, I'll dig through but um someone had asked bumper sort of about comms and specifically Haxel and and uh, he had said that Haxel's normally pretty quiet on comms and yet against the shock Haxel started talking and taking it serious and I think everyone on the team had said that they'd never seen Haxel so like focused and on point and I would you know yeah Haxel had a great you know, championship uh, match, but Dorado is where he, in my mind, really started to stand out uh, with, with his play and really differentiate the Titans. Well, support DPS. I don't know what you would put Brig into a category as, um, but just looking at the stats, just on Dorado alone, Haxel was the top healer by Close to 600 hit points. <laughs> like It's kind of the story of, of the Titans, really. Uh, looking back, we, we were following the Titans from day one, but what, what everybody notices first, obviously it's Bumper because he's just right there jumping around. And then you look at the Janu, Januks or or Janu Bombs, however you want to call them. And obviously Samin Su outputting so much freaking damage during the entire stage. But in the playoffs, when push comes to shove, every close battle, it's when, well, we're talking goats, right? So 3-3, it's our three supports, man. They're so good. That freaking synergy between Slime, uh, Twilight, and and Hoxal. There's no support lineup, including NYXL, that comes close to the type of production and, and clutch performances that these three guys produced. And I think up till now, we haven't mentioned that Twilight was one of the top damage dealers in, in pretty much every single of the maps for the Titans. Uh, I don't have all the stats in front of me here, but but definitely a couple of the maps, Twilight was the, the damage dealer. Um, I guess 
uh, not damage dealer, sorry, a limbs. Yeah. Uh, what am I talking about? <laughs> uh, the Zarya is always going to be the damage dealer. But but yeah, Twilight actually led map three in a limbs. His POV was nuts at some points, like aim botting. And Zenyatta is really hard to do. And it, luckily, they show, when they show NYXL, you see what, what a Zen can do. Because uh, obviously, everybody loves Jonak. But, you know, it's a projectile. It's not a hit scan. And yet, he still hits those, um, you know, headshots. Ding, 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 one after another. Considering the pressure that you have to keep on doing that, like healing people, looking out for grabs, and how easy you are to kill, and still hitting those shots, it's insane. He's definitely a top tier, like tier one Zenyatta in the league. He he kind of made a name for himself, and luck. And finally, uh, uh, everybody was uh, giving him the credits that he deserves. So, Titans have tied it up. You are the San Francisco Shock. You now need to choose out of the map pool one of two remaining maps, and you choose Ilios, a map that the Vancouver Titans have shown a strong ability to adapt, but also one that they've been able to seriously flex on. Why would the Shock make that choice? Mm, maybe they ex- because that was probably the only time that they could uh, predict for a certain that the Titans are not going to play standard goats. They probably expected they could punish the Orisa and McCree comp, which they <laughs> kind of did. But I assume that's why they picked it, even though Vancouver was undefeated at this map until this very game. I assume that was the main reasoning for that. Well, we look at well. You're right. The The Titans did come out with that Orisa McCree comp with so-and-so on, uh, on McCree bumper on Orisa. And arguably, they did it extremely well. They were able to cap 97% before the Shock took that point back. And when that occurred, the Shock had to invest every one of their alts to make that happen. The Titans had a ton of time left, and the Titans then went and back into their more traditional 3-3 GOATS uh, setup. Mm-hmm. Yet, they still lost. What was it that the Shock were able to do on well that then gave the Titans fits? Beyond the fact that, yes, the Shock were aggressive, but the Titans had seen that level of aggression before, and we'd already seen, you know, throughout the first few maps, there being this unexpected level of patience. It, it comes back to Sinatra on Elias. And when we talk, we, we, we started talking about well, but that was already the second map that they uh, played. I think they started on uh, Lighthouse. And it came down, like, it looked like the McCree was working well because you can you have this double stun com- uh, comp where the Brig and McCree can basically wreak havoc on your Winston. But then when they lose the point, what, what do you do? Well, you got to go back to your uh, Winston Zarya, but guess what uh super and sinatra on the other side already have their uh alts and and sinatra was really really quick on those uh, grabs i i need not to remind you how quick it gets though <laughs> yeah terrifying yeah and, and, and i think that's the alt economy that i think if there's any time that vancouver looked a little bit unraveled i wouldn't say rattled but just a little bit kind of disjointed from regular vancouver that was the time um, uh, I actually think that the, the wrist of McCree worked quite well. 
Um, it's just, it's just that transition over when, when you have no alt economy, you got to restart everything. And, and I think a major thing that doesn't get talked about enough is you lose momentum. Hmm. Um, and, and San Francisco had this in spades on this map. Well, that was a a perfect example of why people still, you know, when when people come first and watch Overwatch League, why can they play DPS? Why can they flex sometimes? Well, they can, but you see what happens. Such a snowball-y approach to this meta of teams going up against each other. And it looked like Vancouver had their number in that map. And yet again, because they had to flex, that's why they lost because of the economy. Well, you know, I wouldn't suggest that the shock had had momentum. Like when they capped that point, you know, sure. They had maybe a better alt economy because of the fact that they had percentage. The Titans did not when we started to see those switches taking place. But ultimately, the Titans had time, which was by far, in my mind, the greatest advantage. They simply needed to uh, ensure that they didn't feed, and while at the same time building up their new economy to then go and win a, a team fight. That's all they needed was one team fight win, and, and they take well. For argument's sake, should someone so have stayed on McCree? Because prior to him switching off, he was having his way with Super. He was having his way with. Uh, Sinatra. Um, in fact, I think Rascal was was having trouble dealing with him. Like so and so was landing shot after shot. Uh, his stuns were on point, and you could tell that the shock actually adapted earlier on to try to take so and so out. But the Titans did real well at at bunkering him uh, to then, in turn, you know turn it into a very early going uh, 65, 64. So is that switch the problem? Because I don't think I have an issue with t- Bumper going on to, to Winston. And I think he played some Ryan on that map. But ultimately, uh, Sum and Su, I think switching into Zarya may have been the, the struggle. Yeah, maybe because uh, that Bunker comp is so you know, it's like a pivot when you got to uh, work around the shield of the Orisa. And I don't think that the San Francisco Shock would have let them set it up again properly because they already went, kind of uh, approached our path from spawn. And, and, and I think we actually need to require some kind of inquiry into the Overwatch League. Something is messed up with their clock. It looks like every time the Titans hold the point, the clock moves slow. <laughs> when San Francisco held it. But yeah, that's just me. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I, I, I will yeah. admit that when the shock capped well, I was blown away at how quick they got to 100%. Like it I know, felt, right? you're, yeah, you're, you're right. It did feel like the Titans had to hold that, was it 97% longer than the shock had to go and get a, a hundred? The conspiracy is real. <laughs> this is a long game. Are, that's the point where they're up 3 um, 2 on us, right? No, not, so they're up, yeah, they're up 3-2. That's match point. That's, and San Francisco now not only has an opportunity to win on map six, to win the stage championship, but should they lose map six, they get to choose the map for map seven. So San Francisco Shock are in a very advantageous point. So Titans lost. They choose King's Row as their hybrid. Again not Hollywood North and King's row. while the map, the Titans beat the shock on a map that the Titans had extreme difficulty with when they first faced the shock. 
So quickly running through the recap of this particular map, you saw the Vancouver Titans lose the first point in quick fashion on their defense. They get the fight taken to them as the escort takes place to the second point. And it then was on the third point where the Titans continued to hold, continued to hold, continued to hold. Like it was like, I think at one point they had bent as far as they could bend. They got a pick or two and then were able to hold. And that's essentially the the remainder of that defend phase. Titans go on the attack. And again, they don't do entirely well, but they are able to go and eventually get point A. And then they don't do entirely well and they eventually get to, to point B. <laughs> and then they don't do entirely well, but somehow gut out the win and get the distance. Now this I'll have to be very honest. If at the watch party, I would suggest was maybe the most anxious. The bar actually felt like people were literally groaning in pain when the Titans just could not win that team fight they needed to push mm-hmm. that payload just that little bit more. Now, granted, things worked out, but were you at all worried like I was watching Kings no, Row go down? For sure. We invested in every time. Every time we tried to st- hold them off, we invested so many ults. And it felt like every time, like I think it was Choi Hyobin who had so many good bombs there. He always got that crucial one-man one bomb kill. And yeah, it felt like they were pushing. Super game of uh, tug of war there. Uh, I was quite panicked there, but it looked like as the clock went down, San Francisco were too discombobulated as well in those last pushes. And they began playing kind of like the the Titans were up to that point and started throwing their uh, ults pretty haphazardly. And that that's kind of, I think they stopped at 90%, I think, uh, on their first attack against. Yeah, and, and, I was scared. and I, I'll admit I watched the, the moment the Titans capped the third point maybe like six or seven times. I still don't really know how the Titans got those three picks. Like, I think we lost... I think it was Solomon Sue and Bumper. I, I can't remember. Haxel, man. But we lost Haxel. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, it, it seemed like a ghost kill. <laughs> he had so many good uh, shield bashes here. Again, the unsung hero of uh, Brigitte. How, how he tossed that <laughs> trancing Violet off the map there at the end. How he blocked um, Moth from using his, uh, you know, beat right on, on the cusp, like a millisecond. Oh yeah, on, on yeah, point A, like yeah, yeah. props to them that they showed it again. It was insane. Yeah, like I had to slow it down, go like you know second by second. I still couldn't exactly figure it out, and that and that's how close this game was. But the Titans did win, so this takes us into map seven. Now, the San Francisco Shock, as we had already talked about, had two chances to win the championship. They had map six, Kings Row, but they knew that if they were to lose this, they still had money in the bank because they got to pick map seven. And what did they pick? They picked Rialto. Now, a little backstory here with Rialto. The Vancouver Titans had played Rialto for the most part in garbage time. We had seen some crazy stuff go on. Bumper going 1v6. Uh, we got to see Rappel come in and trance to save a bumper trying to go 1v6. Like, this was 
again, all sorts of crazy stuff going down. Bumper and moating on payload. Yeah, exactly. Now, further backstory is that the Titans did show that they could play Rialto. They had actually previously set and held a record on this map. But San Francisco goes and chooses Rialto. And even though I think the Vancouver Titans did put up a decent fight, we saw time and time again the Shock very effectively handle the Vancouver Titans on their attack phase. In fact, there was one point where, you know, Sinatra, um, you know, essentially baited the Titans around a corner where it was like a bumper play. Like he was hiding, waiting for them to come through the doorway. The Titans had to know that he had alt, and yet they walked right into a grab. It didn't look to me like it was going the Titans way. And even though the shock were able to successfully get, you know, that final escort, like we, that's when again, garbage time happens. We saw, uh, actually, I think it was maybe this map where bumper came on his tracer again, it was garbage time. The Titans then go on attack and, you know, everyone, I remember in sports bar, like, okay, okay, let's, let's be smart about this. <laughs> Three minutes and 34 seconds later, the Titans having beat the previous record they had at four minutes and 34 seconds, escorted the payload straight on through. Did you see that coming? Well, considering they broke the record they made on Saturday, um, not to say I saw it coming, but maybe we all should have seen it coming. It's one of those moments, right? Like uh, if you look back to Korean contenders or, or Apex, even like the eye of the Kaiser or, uh, or you know, punching the upper, cutting that, um, uh, that ceiling, right? In the rooms that were, where they played. If you look back historically to this stage, to this like first stage where uh, Vancouver did their run, I definitely know that people are going to talk about this push. This push was insane. Probably the best attack I ever seen on Overwatch, let alone Rialto, which is so hard to push. People are still talking about how well um, San Francisco pushed. Sometimes people don't reach point three at all. And it was only 39%. Yeah. It was one of the moments that you knew that this bunch, regardless of if they win the championship or not at the end of the season, they have something special going here. It was perfect overwatch, perfect aggression, no mistakes, just clutch pick after clutch pick. Yeah. And it kind of made me wonder like where, if, if, if they played every match like this, there would be no game seven. There would be no game six. For sure. It was peak, peak Titans play up until this point, until they prove otherwise, maybe they'll break it even another minute in the next stage. But yeah, that was insane. That's when I was, okay, we got this. We got this in the bag. After such a difficult three-hour arduous uh, path, this is when I was like kind of not entirely like 100% uh, well um, positive they were going to win it. Obviously, it was very heavily favored towards us, but that's when I was, uh, then I definitely that's when you're like, I'd better go check out that ulcer I just developed. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The The thing that blew me away, though, was how easily the Vancouver Titans were able to handle the shock on that attack phase. Like there, again, a snowball. Alt economy was like completely off the walls. Uh, the Titans won pretty much every team fight on attack. And with the time bank as large as they had at that point, 
there was very little the shock could do. And even when the shock were to try to, you know, push the guard, they did, you know, relatively well. They almost got mm-hmm. it to the first point, um, you know, primarily in, in OT. But again, the Vancouver Titans had, you know, three times the amount of time uh, mm-hmm. and the ability to have multiple team fights without having to worry about keeping someone, you know, plugged into the payload for fear that OT were to run out. Uh, they did lose one team fight near the end, but yeah. you know, again, it was it was quite clear the Titans were going to win. Now, um, something I want to share: you'll notice that the Ready Set Pwn Twitter account, after every Titans win, tweets out a picture. It said Vancouver Titans win, and there's an image of a particular map. What I've been doing all season long is I've actually been preparing that image in advance. I save it as a draft and I have it ready the moment the Vancouver Titans win. So I can tweet that out, you know, faster than the official account can. Again, next level social media meta. Did I? Oh, I thought it was scripted before. What was that? I thought it was scripted. That's how you like knew before so quickly. No, not scripted. But that said, I have not gotten all of them right because again we saw some matches for the titans go a little screwy a further complicating factor is with the playoffs i had no idea what maps would be chosen because teams got to choose choose them so i decided to you know maybe make a guess maybe an educated one and choose a particular image that said vancouver titans win for this championship match. Did the two of you catch which map I chose? I don't know. I was on vacation. I'm looking at it now and I still don't know. <laughs> Rialto. Yeah. Again, a complete guess. I, I, I had a feeling that Rialto would come into play only because we saw the Vancouver Titans goof off so much. Right. That there was a thought that if, if it, if it came down to it, that would be a map San Francisco might choose in the hope that they'd be able to handle the Titans. Yeah, I like San Francisco a lot. I, I I obviously cheered for the Titans, but I cannot imagine how gut-wrenching that defense was for them on Rialto. Oh, I mean, you saw it on their faces. Those kids were yeah. just gutted. Like, they put everything into that fight. I mean, hell, I put everything into that fight. I wasn't even playing. I was watching. <laughs> Everybody drink water. Stay hydrated. I was out here in, uh, you know, uh, under the mountains looking for reception. For some time, I was lagging by. I was losing my mind here. But ultimately, the Vancouver Titans did get that 4-3 victory, winning stage one. They are the stage one champions. Can't take that away from them. In fact, we would have to go back to July of 2018 to find when the Titans, again, including in their time as Runaway, have last lost a match, and that includes show matches. The Titans have been that successful. But back to this match we saw. As we had earlier discussed, we saw really two very compelling matchups that many people were talking about. We saw Bumper versus Super, Somansu versus Sinatra. For those of you who aren't Titans fans and tune in, you may have been saying, ah, Super is by far the superior main tank, and Sinatra will wipe Somansu up left, right, and center. Well, here are some stats for you. Sinatra Zarya dealt 14k damage per 10 minutes at an average of 62% energy. 
Sumansu dealt 14.3k damage at 64% average energy. Slightly better than Sinatra. Ah, stats, facts, stop that. And on the main <laughs> tank fight, Bumper versus Super, Super on Reinhardt did 9,347 damage per 10 minutes, charged or shatter every minute 14. Bumper averaged slightly less at 9,030 damage, building his alt every minute 18. So arguably, Super was the better main tank, or at least the better Rhine. But ultimately, if you look at both teams, this again goes to what we've said earlier. The Titans' support are by far a strong and superior bunch in the meta of goats. Hands Hmm. down. Yeah, game of supports for sure. Yeah, and uh, this you you might you might want to hold me back a little bit because like you guys mentioned, like you guys were devastated for Super. I don't feel bad at all <laughs> for Super. I don't feel bad for Sinatra. They can suck it. Um, Tell me how you really feel. And 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 and, and here's why, right? Like up until this match, like everybody was like, oh, like this team is so young. Like we've seen them grow so much, blah, 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 blah. Well, I, I got so angry that I went and looked up all their birthdays. And I know this is creepy for like a 30 year old dude to do. So I get that. Stay with me. Um, guess who was the youngest player in the match? The youngest? Hacksaw. It was Hacksaw. Yeah. I think they're younger than, uh, uh, the Shogart on average for sure. So, so the average average age of the Titans is. Let me just pull it up. I think it was from Comp Reddit. Um, average age for the Titans is nineteen point seven five. The average age for the Shock is nineteen point four. I guess it's a little bit higher now since you know you know time is linear and stuff like that. But but the point is the Shock are like point three of like three months older. Bumper is seven months older than Super. Like, I'm so sick and tired of hearing all this crap about how San Francisco has been such a young team. Like, they're not younger. They're, like, three months younger. Yeah. Bumper is just as young as Super. Like, I'm so sick of hearing that. Like, this whole thing about, like, how Super came out of nowhere, blah, like, all this <laughs> stuff. Like, it, it's complete nonsense. And and all of Twitter is, is going on about how Super, like, killed Bumper. The stats don't show that. You know yeah. what did show that? The VOD showed that because because the controllers and the casters, they were heavily on yeah. San Francisco's side. And this is something I didn't observe until afterwards because I thought that Sinatra had severely outplayed Solomon Sue. And the reason I thought that was because I wasn't on command center. I was on the mainstream. And they had Sinatra on every left, right, and center. And it turns out Solomon Sue had a higher average energy than him the whole game. Like, what is what is up with that? What's with the San Francisco shock love? Uh, I'm, I'm almost done. I'm not completely finished. But, like, what have the Shock actually done since coming into the league? <laughs> Think about that for a second. If, if we were to go through all of last year, th- there would have been two teams that I would have considered elite. London and New York. Yeah. They haven't beat them once. This year, so far anyway, it's going to be Vancouver and New York, right? Guess what? They haven't beat them once. In fact, they're, like, a combined, like, 12 and 3. Um you know, overall. So, so I don't like, I, I want to respect them and say that the shock played a very, very good match. I'm not going to call them elite because they haven't won anything. They haven't. And and you know what? 
Yeah. Are they are they out level? Is that what you say? Are they Titans level? No, they're not Titans level because we saw them at their very best, and their very best wasn't good enough. And and I'd argue that for most of the game, the Titans were not at their very best. Their very best was what Rialto looked like. What if they looked like Rialto every map? So hmm. I think I wonder what you're saying here that the shock are as fan triggering as it might be, not OWL level. I am triggered. And and the reason for that is because the coach, Krusty, said after the first match, I know we have a problem choking in overtime, but I think we've calmed our nerves. Hmm, what does that tell you? That these guys need to learn how to lose. And you know what? Runaways learned how to use. I foreshadowed this at the beginning of the match, right? We talked about Apex Season 2. That was a crushing loss for them. And and they bounced back from that and look where they are now, right? Um, and so for, for Super, for Sinatra, there's no doubt in my mind that they're top-tier players they need to learn how to lose. And so I don't feel bad for them. Like, learn from this. Don't just go swearing at everybody and doing all your sad emotes. Like, I don't care. Done. Well, guess what happens when you, uh, you know, are undefeated and, and you get equated to Thanos. You're going to get some uh, people wanting to see your downfall. And another point to, like, play devil's advocate about Haxal being the youngest, I think he was, like, a top three main Genji player uh, when he was, like, the age of three. So he was out there playing uh, competitive Overwatch for a while now. So, but I totally agree with what you're saying here. Yeah, and and, and there's this there's this whole sentiment that like I'll, I'll read out a tweet. I won't say who it's from. Like this is an incredibly experience for the Shock. They're a young, super young team, and now they know what losing a final feels like, and they would do everything to not have this feeling again. The scene is set for greatness. Why are we not spending way, way, way more time talking about the greatness that is already here? I mean, we're a Titans podcast, so we're biased, but hello, world. No, we're not. No, we're not. (laughs) Well, as we consider our new segment, Sam Shouts, (laughs) let's celebrate the fact that the Vancouver Titans are undefeated in stage one. They are a championship team, something that Vancouver hasn't actually had in some time. It's been a very dry spell. But while we do that, we're going to take a short break because you know what? We got a little bit to get into in the fray. I need to stay hydrated. So before we talk about the upset, like I think that's what's going to be called the upset. I do want to point out that the Vancouver Titans San Francisco shock match was televised on us national network TV on ABC. We're talking over three hours of overwatch league play to the point that it actually ate in to the evening news for those on the East coast. There were actually news anchors for from some of the local ABC affiliates in the United States on Twitter complaining about it, which is kind of odd that they're, you know, biting the hand that feeds them. But regardless, could there have been a better showcase match than the one that we saw between the Shock and the Titans? It was entertaining. It was engaging. It was 
going both ways. And ultimately it showcased, I think some of the best that Overwatch League can provide in a meta that arguably many people said was boring. I can't say that what we saw was boring. It was an exciting brand of goats. I think this bodes well for what we're going to see from the Overwatch League, especially as the league starts to expand. Now, the other thing that I do want to mention is that it wasn't just the only match that was shown on ABC. Uh, the semifinal between the Vancouver Titans and the Seoul Dynasty was, and thankfully um, that wasn't the only one because that may not have been the best showcase match when the Vancouver Titans uh, <laughs> took it to the Seoul Dynasty. But Seoul Dynasty is a segue. They beat the New York XL. Now, before I ask you to what happened, should we be pissed off that the Seoul Dynasty essentially ruined any chance that we would see goats versus goats NYXL Vancouver Titans. Cause there's no way we'll see that same meta when they meet up later this season. I think it's a blessing in disguise for the NYXL to be honest. Confidence. Yeah. Heck of a drug. At what point, at what point you like, for how long are you going to give them the benefit of the doubt? Which NYXL? Yeah. Every time it's playoff time, it's like. I'm making gear over the mic, but it's just. Cue the Omni run. Well, I was running about NYXL for three pods in a row now. Toby, Marvel and Zumba and NYXL are so confident. Oh, it's going to be like a roll. Then they give up map one, map two, they lose as well and then they're under pressure and what happens when they're under pressure well you know what happens we we all saw it oh man <laughs> i was so happy i was looking forward to see that post game um watch point like all of those like uh analysts they were like lost for words and then oh yeah soul has played a good game they had nothing prepared nothing they looked like fools because they in their minds <laughs> even consider the fact that they might lose. Well, I mean, let's consider it. NYXL <laughs> could have been swept. Like Volskaya, quite frankly, should have been the Seoul Dynasty's match to win. They could have swept the New York Excelsior. I mean, the Excelsior looked like a bottom tier team on Elios. I mean, the dynasty just took the fight to them and looked like the more dominant team. Then we go to Hollywood and again, the Excelsior had no response uh, to the fact that you had Michelle rolling out as, as Sombra like that again was just like the Excel. Like again, maybe to your point, didn't, didn't prepare for I mean, again. Oh my God. I thought soul had it. Like I truly yeah. thought soul had that one. And if it wasn't yeah. for, uh, was it a bomb that I think, uh, yeah, I think so. Like, again, it was like, he ate a grav first. It was the same play. It was insane. Yeah. He ate a grav and they had like low alt economy. They were doomed from, from to, to, for this fight. And he ate a grav and then he had like a three man bomb or like a two man kill. And then they won the last push. But you know what? To quote the late Chester Bennington, in the end, it doesn't even matter. I'm so happy they lost. I'm, 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 I'm literally singing. It was an awful showing. 
And I just hope that coming into stage two, nobody will say, oh, they're the best team. And like we saw London and NYXL, well, they are beatable. And give props where props are due. Don't disregard expansion teams. And yeah, we are the champs. This is officially a championship podcast. You know those pre-rankings are going to come out and uh, both New York and the Shock are going to be above Vancouver, right? Oh, I can't wait, for sure. Because they cannot adapt to the new meta, right? That is going to be the, the, the new storyline. Yeah, the DPS, the DPS Kings come out. Well, to use that as a segue, I mean, Stage 2 opens on Thursday, April 4th. Uh, for the, the Titans, it's actually on Sunday, April 7th, where we get to face the Hangzhou Spark. Again, I'm excited for that match just because I get to see the poster that the Spark are going to create. But it is the introduction of what I think we can call meta madness, because we are going to see uh, goats fade away for whatever the new meta or metas may be as teams start to figure things out. I think we've already started to see this. There are teams out there taking the Titans for granted, thinking they're a goats one trick when it's quite clear. If you've been following runaway previously, this is a team that was more than goats. They simply understood the meta embraced it and made it work well for them. So are we going to see other teams take the Titans for granted? And is that smart of them to do? I hope they will. It's fine with me. Now, power rankings wise, I guarantee we're going to see the Titans, you know, as we get into the stage two power rankings. I mean, like, oh yeah, they're not DPS. They might, they might give them a win or two, but uh, how many of them are going to rank the Titans as out of the playoff picture? Yeah. Well, you know, to be to be fair, yeah, we also like gave them, you know, the benefit of the doubt. We, I think, we ranked a Titan sixth. We put up. Um, was it San Francisco? NYXL was first, then we, we saw London, but then when they we saw freaking games played and nobody would, would budge from their, you know, high seed of like, oh yeah, NYXL. Unbeatable, unbeatable, perfect counter to the Titans. And yeah, I can't wait for this second round to start with those same, you know, uh considerations apply on And the Titans have a very strange stage. I mean the teams they're playing are all I don't know, very unpredictable. You have the Spark, you have the Dynasty, you have the Outlaws. Shout out to the Outlaws. Forgot about that. Jake Rat is about to return. Uh, (laughs) uh, uh, You have the Feel, you have Uprising. So all these teams that are... Actually, it's a pretty soft stage when you think about it. But but those those teams can surprise you for, for a match or two. Um, but overall, like, I don't see the Titans reign stopping anytime soon. Just not, not because of the meta, but I think more to do with scheduling. So if I hear you correctly, even with the meta change, you're confident that the Vancouver Titans are going to be able to adapt to again, you know, other teams that are adapting just the same. And we look at, at a team like the outlaws, they'll have had an opportunity to, to practice under the new patch. You know, it's one of the benefits of not making the playoffs. You sort of had a one week head start. Uh, exactly. But, but I think one of the, and it's really strange how, how this has kind of occurred because not, it's not a criticism, but every time the Titans win, they say things like, oh, but they've played together for so long or they're too good together. I'm like, why, why is that to their detriment? Why is that not a good thing? And why does playing together for a long time guarantee, like when has that guaranteed success? 
Dallas played together for a long time. New York's played together. Seoul's played together. London. And, of course, my favorite, the Florida Mayhem, at least in the last season. Um, like, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that automatic success is to follow. Like, these guys have worked their butts off to get to where they are now. And if they're not just going to let up because, oh, now we can take it for granted, right? Like, I think they still have a massive chip on their shoulder. I think I've gained a chip on my shoulder just hearing this – this kind of disrespect for for what they have here and and i think if if people sleep on the titans again they're going to be brutally uh, if, you, if you guys are joining just now because the uh, titans won i'm talking to listeners now this is a very quite quite an angry podcast if you haven't noticed yet <laughs> <laughs> we, we've been dealing with it all season and i and i think like if you guys are listening for the first time this is an amazing team they're not not just because they play really well and they're good at clicking things, but they're they're just fun people to be around and they they enjoy being with each other. I think one of the videos was talking about how they 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 can have fun on stage because they know they practice so hard. And I think you know, as fans, as as supporters of this club, it it kind of tilts us a little bit when when we can see that being misconstrued as cocky or. Or, or another one of the favorite things is like, oh, they had the second easiest schedule uh, coming out. Well, who had the easiest schedule? They, did they finish 7-0? Did they win the stage map? I don't think so. You know, it's interesting. If this is how angry we get when the Titans are successful, <laughs> imagine in a world where they're not. Um, as we wrap up the fray, one other thing I wanted to talk about is the fact that the Philadelphia Fusion released essentially the vision of their new uh, new stadium, uh, their esports-centric stadium, which is going to be designed to be a space that can be used for more than just Overwatch League. Uh, they talked about TEDx talks, the possibility of, of, of concerts and such. I don't know if the two of you have seen sort of the video that was shared on Twitter of a certain uh, vision. It looks pretty slick, but yeah, looks nice. I'm curious. Do you see the Vancouver Titans or the Aquilinis who actually have doubled down? They've essentially purchased a company that's in turn going to buy luminosity gaming, something that, you know, we would be remiss not to share. Do you see them building a space specific to the Vancouver Titans? Might we see them, simply go into Rogers arena uh, in a, in a setup very similar to the, the international was for Dota two um, or might they be going to a venue like the gaming stadium, a third party venue? Like, again, I know it's so early and, and, and it's very difficult for us to predict what will happen, but if you had to go and, and make a choice, which of those three options, third party stadium, go into Rogers arena or a specifically built facility for the Vancouver Titans. Well, I'll take the Rogers Arena just because I live a block away. <laughs> but to be like perfectly honest, I would love to see something like uh, they built for the Fusion. It looks incredible. Um, we spoke to some of the employees uh, on the side of the Titans when we were there uh, at the opener season opener, and they said that uh, they are looking at a bigger venue, so they are looking at the Rogers Arena as an option. I'm not really sure they're going to build uh, some more uh, facilities for them. Well, we'll see. I think the the correct answer is we don't know. And the reason is because they don't know. Um, like, I think, I think it's really easy to forget that 
the Vancouver Titans and this whole Overwatch thing came together in like six months. And and while we all know that they've been preparing for for the home and away games, like it's it's not feasible to like this stuff doesn't happen overnight. There's a lot of people, you know, working tirelessly at the different options. Um and and so it, it's the boring answer, but like they're still trying to figure it out. So for us to speculate, I think is is really just you know it's not even a rumor; it's just pure opinions. Um, but in you know if you're asking for my opinion, I think long term it does make sense to to build something that maybe connected to Rogers mm-hmm. or something near you know in that downtown core. Uh, maybe use up Omni's place or something <laughs> like that. Like you know you, you guys have a games room, right? Like or, or like a gym or something that you could probably redecorate. Pretty much. Um, yeah, so so that I think that that could be like a long term play, but I definitely don't think that happens for for the next season. Um, uh, in terms of gaming stadium, I think I think the location is a bit too far because don't forget at the end of the day, I think they they do need to sell tickets, um, and and downtown is where it's going to be. So so we may see something where like I, I don't know, you guys know way more venues around downtown than me, but like where you know they're they're temporarily for a season and while you know they're making bigger plans on a place and i think i hinted at this on discord but at some point the the city needs to get involved with this on some level um because if esports is going to be a thing here and it sounds like it like aquilinis aren't just going to be in it for just overwatch but but they really are invested in the esports scene overall um it, it has to start at grassroots it has to start from the ground up people need to be able to go to something, you know, they recognize. And, and I think actually like Vancouver has a very good opportunity here. We have, you know, we have a very, very rich uh, gaming history in Vancouver. So, so it's a perfect place to do it. Like, like um, I'm going on a little bit off tangent here, but you know, EA sports is one of their EA, EA, not EA sports has one of their biggest facilities in their headquarters in Burnaby here. Um, along with a bunch of other gaming studios. So, so we're well positioned for for you know an ecosystem like this but that's five ten years uh, now. force of nature trends on vancouver twitter all the time so people are, are looking into it what's going on and i'm, I'm really happy we, we don't know like sam said but but that purchase or 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 going down and investing in luminosity it just shows a positive approach from the aquilines there they're in this for the long run and i'm happy i couldn't be happier as a fan of the titans yeah yeah, and and I guess one final note for me about about all this is if you guys are just kind of getting into Overwatch or getting into esports, uh, take your kids to games and maybe not the watch parties that are nineteen plus, but I I think that a lot of the lessons that you can learn from from traditional sports like teamwork, communication, like camaraderie, those lessons can also be learned in esports. Um, you just have to look at it from a, from a different lens, and and I I really. Do you, like that's why I'm here, right? Like I'm not just here because because I need somebody to scream. Sure, it is. <laughs> as, <laughs> as, as trigger as that sounds, um, but but I, I think it could be really something exciting. But it only works if if we as as a fan base mm-hmm. kind of support it. A bumper will teach your kids how to flex on their downed enemies. <laughs> if if I was a betting man. First of all, I I think Sam's on bang on. There's not going to be something for next year that would be built. It's just not enough time to to even go and and renovate a space. So if I was a betting man, we're going to see the Vancouver Titans play in Rogers Arena. 
And ultimately, I look at it this way. The Aquilinis own that barn. Yes, it costs money to open it up, but the the gate revenue, the merch revenue, the food and beverage revenue, like there's there's money there that you can get that you don't have to share with someone else. Um, mm-hmm. It's possible we might see something go into something like the gaming stadium. Like, again, I'm partial to that. I live in Richmond where the gaming stadium is the case. And I would like to point out that as hard as it is to get to, as people continue to say, it is right across the street from the Aberdeen Skytrain or Canada Line station. I call it Skytrain, but again, it's the Canada Line. So there is rapid transit that can get people there. Plus, I would suggest that uh, as far as the demographic that uh, the Titans are really looking to embrace... There is a good portion of that demographic in the city of Richmond. So there, there is, I think, synergy for the game stadium. But again, betting man, it's Rogers Arena. And then possibly, as we see the sports relationship grow, uh, where the Aquilinis are making a play for, for Luminosity and, and again, furthering their investment in esports, that's when we might see the purpose-built facility. And again, it would probably be downtown. As far as potential other venues, there's lots out there. I mean, arguably, they could go into the convention center and set up some temporary space. Uh, Cost money, you're splitting uh, revenue then, but there are a number of things. I think it'll be really interesting, though, to see how this all breaks down. And I hope that we see and learn more about what those plans are for the 2020 Overwatch League season sooner than later. One, it's good for the podcast, but two, I'm just genuinely curious. So. As we wrap up our episode here, this one, I mean, we're, I'm looking at the timer here. We're already at a buck and a half. We're actually over an hour and a half. Uh, this, and we tried <laughs> to like move the pace, but again, there was just so much to talk about that Titans, uh, San Francisco shock match. Um, Sam, any final words of wisdom you'd like to share with the listeners? Uh, whether they're super good or super bad, I think we should all continue supporting the Vancouver Titans. I see what you did there. <laughs> Omni. Did you know that OWL now is not runaway level? As analyst triggering as that sounds, people loved it for the tier one feel and their vibrant memes and NA production, but expecting OWL teams to compete with tier two Korean champions is very unrealistic. The teams still have to actually earn their spot in the league first instead of just buying their way in and choking. At the same time, I'd honestly advise Nanzer to sell Soy, Malik, Monty, Bren, and the rest of them, and then rebuild Apex. The money combined with DJ Khaled's appearance fee can help fund Apex for a few more seasons. I see what you did there as well. (laughs) As for me, again, I love the fact that uh, all of you are engaging us on Twitter, in Discord, both in the Ready, Set, Pwn Discord, but as well on the official Titans Discord. Keep that up. Uh, we haven't had any uh, verbatim reviews as of late, so I think we're due to be able to read one. Again, I will read whatever review you submit verbatim, so long as you don't cause me to start to cursing and swearing, because then I'm going to have to edit what you share. Um, if you're looking to follow us... Sam's job anyways. Sorry, what was that? That's Sam's job anyways. That's true. You know, I had a, I had the bleep <laughs> button, like, you know, all keyed up for Sam. <laughs> If you're looking for Ready, Set, Pwn online, however, it's readysetpwn.com. If you want to reach out to us on Twitter, it's at readysetpwn, facebook.com slash readysetpwn. We're on Instagram, readysetpwn, you know, it's a theme. If you want to email us, it's feedback at readysetpwn.com. I've got a bunch of email that have come into the pipeline. We've got some things in the works. 
And as I mentioned, we have a special guest joining us next week for our episode uh, to dive into the Overwatch League and the Vancouver Titans. I hope you'll be impressed by uh, uh, Taylor at Fate Steel. Taylor will be joining us and we'll let Taylor introduce himself a little bit uh, uh, in that episode uh, so that uh, I don't do him any disservice. But on behalf of Omni at Omni Strife, Sam at another Sam Chan and myself, Chris at Lightforce. Catchphrase! Catchphrase!